Welcome to Different is Good Virtual Summit, brought to you today by the Public Speakers Association. I'm so excited to introduce to you the amazing Mr. Fox Fire. Fox, why don't you take it from here? Thanks very much, Tanya, and, and, and hello, everybody. It's always an honor and a privilege to, to, uh, to be on these virtual summits and, and really try to spread something of, of value to you all. So last month when I was on, I explained that I am a high school Spanish teacher, and I have been for the for the past for the past fifteen years. And one of the things that I explained with, within that was that you don't have to to feel good to in order to make others feel great about themselves. And the example was that that oftentimes I I feel like a a second-rate teacher, but I think as teachers, actually I know this, that our impact goes well beyond what we think it is. We don't think we're making an impact. We we surely are. And I sort of began the the last virtual summit by explaining how I sort of enter the building every morning and. Oftentimes, I'm opening the door for a female colleague, and they have all of these bags, three, four bags, and, and they can just walk and talk and just go along normally, and I can't do that. I'm a 40-year-old man with cerebral palsy, and I, I like to say walking without anything is a conscious act of will. And I'll get into the building, and oftentimes when I get into the, the school building, customarily, I think of my own high school experience. So I think of my teachers, I think of my coaches, my friends and my classmates, and the things that were said and done to me during that time, some good and some not so good. And I'll look around. And oftentimes I look around, I see students, many of them that were like me, doing something in a, in a way that's acting like someone they're not. And I know that that right then, every single day, that I know I'm ordered to to teach a certain curriculum, but my main job is to make these students understand that that from the moment they were conceived, they were designed to be different. And through the years, I guess my philosophy ha- has changed, but the more it's changed, the more some things have stayed the same. This year, I am in a room. 401. And room 401 sits behind the cafeteria off of this semi-narrow hallway. And by, what I mean by semi-narrow is this. The, the main hallways are about two times the size of this semi-narrow hallway. And as you go into to my room, you go through a about six to eight foot passageway that's even narrower than the hallway to get into the main space, which is, which is my classroom. And if you would look around my classroom, you, you would see that I'm, I'm careful about my uh, decorations. They're, they're kind of bland because I'm not an interior decorator. Um, some of the best stuff in there is, is my student work uh, throughout the years, which I've been fortunate enough to accrue. But when I began teaching, when I, when I was hired at Whippany Park High School, I, I knew this. I wasn't an interior decorator, so I, I had to, to purchase something uh, that was sturdy, uh, that was of value, and that conveyed a, a solid 
message that had to do a lot with, with the classroom and with life. And I ran into something. They were, there were seven or eight posters that I bought that were, were pretty large and well laminated and sturdy. And they had great imagery on them. And they had a message above them in Spanish that was powerful. So again, as you walk through that semi-narrow passageway into my room, you would see my desk. And behind my desk is a corkboard. And on the corkboard is one of these eight large, well-laminated posters. And this poster, you, you'll see a, a person. And a person's forging a river on, not on the bike, but holding a bike above their head. They have a helmet on. They're obviously in a, either a triathlon, Ironman, or, or working out in the morning. And this, this, this river is, is baked in late afternoon sunlight. And above the, this, this picture, this beautiful illustration, is a one or two liner in Spanish. And in English, it reads, utilize your imagination. There's always another way to get to your destination. Again, it says, utilize your imagination. There's always another way to get to your destination. In other words, different can end up being good. And as I look at this, you know, situations in my mind, in my personal life, tend to pop up. And one is this. So from, from 1990. Seven to 2002, I was lucky enough to attend and graduate from the University of South Carolina. I spent um, all of that time as part of the baseball team, three years as a student manager, and I'm sorry, two years as a student manager and three as a student coach. From 1999 to 2002, uh, I formed a, a lifelong bond with the then volunteer assistant, Mr. Stuart Lake. And since then, Stuart has been in a, in a bunch of places. So after our World Series appearance in 2002, Stuart was hired at the College of Charleston, and he coached there for a year. He has since been on to the University of Mississippi, uh, the Citadel, Charleston Southern, and he's now back at the University of South Carolina as a, as a paid coach. And all along his journey, all of these years, in the past 15 17 years, I've, I've gone and visited him, visited him and caught up with him each and every year. And in 2004 and 2005, he uh, worked and coached for and at the University of Mississippi. And a number of times, let's say three or four times during those years, I, I went over and visited him. So I'd fly into Memphis, Tennessee, he'd come pick me up and he'd drive me that hour into Oxford. Um, Oxford is a beautiful college town. Uh, unbelievable like architecture, and uh, they have a place called the, the the Grove, where the speed limit is Archie Manning's uh, uniform number, eighteen miles an hour. So he's he's um, all over there when when you get into uh, into all this in the campus. Well, in '04 and '05 when I visited, I spent a lot of time uh, around the baseball team. They had some phenomenal teams in those years. And I can recall one of the first times I was in the, in the locker room before the game. And, and you'd see that players prepare differently in different ways for a game. In other words, before they prepare, they're preparing to get out in the field and get loose and to warm up. 
This is this was after after batting practice. So typically, what happens is players will uh, stretch, throw, and take batting practice, and then go back in the locker room for about a half an hour, forty five minutes or so, and make some final preparations before they get their full uniform on, go out, stretch, and throw again, take infield, and play the game. So I'm, I'm looking around the locker room and during this period uh, between batting practice and infield practice before the game, and I'm watching how all of the players prepare. And typically, you have players who just like to talk. Uh, some are doing some reading. You know, back in those days, you still had the hardcover books. There were no Kindles or iPads yet. Uh, but you did have players listening to music and, and doing those kinds of things. Okay? And so you had pockets of those people. I noticed one player that was different than the rest. Okay? His name was Matt Tolbert. And Matt was a left-handed hitting, right-handed throwing infielder. And he had this spiral, spiral notebook. And I'm watching him before the game on this particular day. He's writing with his left hand very deliberately for, I don't know, five, ten minutes. He's very deliberate about it. Okay? And I can almost tell he's, he's writing in script. And I thought to myself, what, what is he doing? And you, you may think that he was maybe writing some mental notes or uh, adding a, a little bit to, to some scouting reports on, on the opposing team's players or pitchers. And I thought about this, and I didn't say anything to anybody. Um, the next day, I came to find out he was doing this. So he, he's a right-handed thrower and a right-handed writer as well. And if you notice, I said he's writing with his left hand. I didn't misspeak. So he's writing with his offhand, deliberately, okay, in, in script. And he's just writing stream of consciousness. And you'd ask, why is, is, is Matt doing this? Well, his left hand is his glove hand. And he was doing this so that he'd become more dexterous with his left hand, his glove hand, so that hand during games could move more freely toward ground balls, fly balls, uh, pop-ups, and line drives. You know, an interesting way to do, th do things, but he's taking advantage of every single moment he could before a game to prepare and be better at that game. Okay. It may have not been the exact reason why, but I don't think it's a coincidence that Matt played a number of years in the major leagues. And while he was, was a good runner um, and a good hitter and a good overall player, he didn't have any of those wow measurable skills. Like, didn't have enormous power or enormous speed. It's very good, but I think what made him great was his defense. And I think he played in the major leagues for as long as he did because he was a very good and versatile defensive player. So that's example number one of how someone prepares differently um, and ends up being good and, and often oftentimes um, better than the majority of, of people. That's the story of Matt Tolbert. And a lot of us right now might be speakers. Okay? And I can recall, as you might have heard Tanya and I speaking before this, she said, you know, you've basically, Fox, been on every, uh, or been on many, many, many vir uh, virtual summits. And to be truthful, I haven't missed many since December of 2015. 
So December of 2015 was my very first virtual summit. And preparing for this and getting me ready for this, Tanya, you know, in, in her own way, sort of said, Fox, you're going, going to be great. And <clears throat> I'm sorry, this is, this is how, it, how it works. And she sort of, sort of showed me you know, what to do, how long it would be, where she would suggest keeping, keeping a timer. And she also said, listen, don't read off of anything. And, and because it's, it's not authentic, it doesn't sound conversational, it's not conversational, and therefore it's not engaging. <clears throat> and, and, and so from there I thought, okay, how am I going to sort of script this and then practice the script so that I'm not reading off of anything when it comes time for the virtual summit? And over the years, my preparation has evolved. Oftentimes what works for me is that I'm practicing the presentation when I'm doing something else. So car rides for me have become very effective ways of, of practicing you know, basically what I'm going to say during the presentation. Uh, I, it works out well. I drive 20 minutes into work. So this is 20 or 25 minutes, so I have that time in the morning, okay? But, you know, we have to prepare as speakers for things to go wrong because they almost always do. Maybe the microphone doesn't work or it's going in and out or there are some unmeasured um, or noises during the presentation, things we, we, we didn't plan for, but we have to plan for uh, it to go wrong. And I'm in the middle of reading a, a great book. It's called TED, from the leader of TED, Chris Anderson. And he sort of gives you guidelines in, in the book of how to prepare and present uh, a presentation, a speech. And he has, he has uh, a chapter on scripting, basically to script or not to script. And if you're, you're going to and memorize it, if it sounds natural, how are you going to do this? And he provides little snippets of advice from former uh, TED speakers. And I was reading a few weeks ago uh, of someone who does this, okay? keeping in mind that when I prepare, oftentimes it's in my car. Well, this person will, will practice in the hotel room or in his car in front of the TV and with it on and with the radio on. Okay, but he's, he's, he's not putting anything on mute. What he is doing is he'll practice by doing this. With, with the TV on normal volume and the radio on normal volume, he'll go through his speech, his presentation, okay? And he'll keep his voice above the, the volume of the TV or the radio and keep a smile the entire time. Maybe he'll do it in front of the mirror while the TV is on. And if he loses the smile or the volume of his voice goes below that of the TV or the radio, he'll start over. Okay. And then he'll get through that portion. But then he, he, he steps it up and he says that once he masters that, that part of his preparation, he'll go on to speaking above the volume 
of the TV or the radio with a smile on his face, and then he'll put himself in a, um, he'll do something else, put himself in an awkward position, like he'll start stretching during his, this portion of his practice. And again, if he loses the smile or his, the volume of his voice goes below that of the TV or the radio, he'll start over again. And I thought, wow, that's really, that's really cool because if you can get through that, um, you, you are prepared for, it, uh, for things to go wrong if, if, in fact, they do during your presentation. So, again, <clears throat> there's some stories of people doing things differently in order to make themselves good or possibly better than the rest. Kind of getting that mental edge from the athletic field to the stage. Now, to, to go on to a, a third piece of advice, I grew up in the 1980s. In the 1980s, we had, we had heavy metal music and, and hair bands. And uh, this man was, 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 was part of it, but he played, he played the heavy metal music. His name is Dave Mustaine. And Dave spent a little bit of time in the band Metallica and then moved, moved on. And he's, he's, I think, still with the band, the band Megadeth, traveling the world and uh, playing heavy, heavy metal music. Now, he's an artist. He's an entertainer. He's a musician. Um, he has musical talent that, 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 um, that I can barely relate to. But I can, can, can relate to this. What the things that you have to do to get back on track? So, in, in, in some of my research and knowing a little bit about his story, uh, some time ago, keeping in mind that Dave is an unbelievable guitar player, he, he suffered an injury or he became ill. And because of this, he, he lost a lot of the fine motor skills in his hands and fingers. And we know, even if we don't play the guitar, uh, you are. Hands and fingers are essential, um, and he plays very particular notes on the guitar. And so he had to, you know, music is his life. It's his livelihood. It's uh, totally part of him. So he had to find a way to get back on track, to regain the the motor skills in his hands and fingers so he could get back on tour, get back to making records and get back to doing what he loves. And, and I'll put it this way. This story really shows you that, that, that we can develop skills that we, we don't have talent for or we've lost talent for. Neuroscience tells us that. And I think this story will, will tell us that. What Dave did is he, he, he struggled to find ways to, to get him back to his old self. But he got with, with a, a therapist, a doctor, who had him do this. He would take tiny, you know, tiny, tiny little needles, okay? And he would practice this hundreds of thousands of times a day. He would take the, the, these tiny little needles, pinch them ever so slightly, okay? And put them in these little, tiny holes, hundreds of holes, and he'd practice again and again and again so that he could regain a very fine motor skill. And by doing that, which is um, it's hard for me to explain, but by doing that, 
he was able to uh, get that guitar pick back in his hand and get back to being himself on the guitar. So, in other words, be, become strong at one of your weakest points, I think, is, that, is, is the story of Dave Mustaine. And finding something that was different, that, that got him not only good, uh, not only amazing, but in this case, back on track. So, so there you have it, some advice that I've, I guess, accrued over the years of people doing things differently that can make you better on the athletic field, on the, on the speaking stage, and on the musical stage. So the stories of uh, Dave Mustaine, uh, Matt Tolbert, and then some, some speaking advice that I've accrued over the years. So uh, I'll put it like this. In days of yore, it was such a fuss. I could not find it within myself to adjust. Tried as I must, I could not adjust. Stuck in my routine, rigid even in my dreams, my life defined by structure, one misstep away from destruction. Never giving in to the spontaneous or anything that might be extraneous. Make myself into a man and pull myself out of this routine quicksand. In days of yore, it was such a fuss. I could not it in myself to adjust, but tried as I must, I could not adjust. So I hope these stories help you make the adjustment and do things a little bit differently so you can get to where you want to go. I think it's, 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 it's certainly true that if we continue to be persistent and do what we've always, always done and we don't get the results, we're always going to get what we don't want. So step out, get out of your comfort zone a little bit and do something a little bit differently. And it's sure to, to yield different and better results. So again, my name is Fox Byer. I'm a teacher, author, poet, and speaker. I do have a book out called Letter Kindling, Igniting, Inspiring, Evoking the Fire Within. And it's a compilation of, of poems. A lot are motivational and inspirational. And if you've been listening and you, you, you like what you hear, I want to make this offer to you. You can log on to my website. It is foxbuyer.com, F-O-X-B-E-Y-E-R.com, and fox like the animal. And then log on to there and, and shoot me a message. If you do that, if you're interested in the book, I would be happy to, to send you one for free. And it's called Letter Kindling, Igniting, Inspiring, and Evoking the Fire Within. And the poem, Adjust, that you recently, that you just heard, is, is, is from that book itself. And I will end with another one. It's called Step. Step, your idol no more. Step, pick yourselves up off the floor. Step, get up out of your seats. Step, you will not lie there in defeat. Step, in mind and body a winning tranquility. Step, without movement, there is no possibility. Step, each pace equals a seed. Step, in the world's largest sequoia tree. Step, one by one, they will amass. Step, core field passes down victory path. Step out, be different. Prepare differently than you ever have before, and it's sure to yield different, good, and better results. Thank you. Thank you, Tanya. And Tanya, back to you.